Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Harmanius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. I bring peachy. I'm, I bring uh, greetings uh, from your brothers and sisters in Atlanta, in the peach state, Sean, um, and Alabama as, as well. Oh, we're glad to be back. As we press on in the new calendar year, we're going to move into a new theme uh, for our, our, our preaching this year. Last year, we considered what it means to be a witness. We have seen and heard something that's worth sharing and what we need to give to other people. Well, this year, we're going to turn the page on, on the witness, and we're going to look instead at our, our spiritual identity. Instead of considering what we need to give others, we're going to spend our time realizing and relishing in what God has given to us. Throughout the Bible, beginning in creation, on through the crucifixion, God is working his plan for restoration. And among all, all of the peace and, and the great blessing that will be found in God's restoration, one of the most crucial things that God is working to establish is his presence among his creation and among his people. We see this in the garden. Man and uh, uh, Adam and Eve in, in, in his image where God is walking among them. We see it later in different, uh, 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 different capacities in the life of the Israelite nation. His presence with them in the cloud and in the fire, in the tabernacle, in the ark, and in the temple. We find God's presence within us when we are baptized through the Holy Spirit. And in all these places where we see God's presence, there's a reoccurring theme of holiness, of goodness. Holiness is necessary for God to be present. It is a part, actually, of God's presence. And from creation's earliest hours, sin has been working to undermine holiness. It's been trying to offer a, an alternative to, to humanity, an alternative to God's holiness, an alternative that does not desire to be in the presence of God. That's what sin's trying to do. We see this happen in the Old Testament when Israelites are turning to foreign gods and idols. We see this when the Israelites are hiring out security and armies 
from other nations instead of turning and trusting in their God. We see this any time that the forces of this world are trying to penetrate the good news of Jesus. And one of the ways that the world tries to do this is it takes godly aims, it takes some of the good things that only our God can give, like truth and peace and justice, which we'll talk about this morning. And the world takes these things, trying to undermine Jesus' message, and it claims them as their own. If we can create our own peace, well, why do we need a peace from God? If we can define our own love, why do we need love from God? If humans can manufacture and create our own systems of justice, why on earth would we want our God to be present? What you and I both know is that as much as we try, as much as humans try, our man-made attempts at these things will always pale in comparison to what God is trying to do in, in restoring his creation. The peace that God has surpasses all understanding. The laws of the Lord, the justice of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It breathes new life into us. The world as much as it tries, cannot come close. And Christians need to be able to see the difference in what the world is offering, which is similar, and what God has given to us. This year, we'll, uh, what we'll seek to do as a church is we'll take some of these biblical, uh, uh, biblical terms and godly uh, themes that are culture has tried to make commonplace, and will give them the type of authority and attention that they certainly deserve. If we are God's people, if we are reclaimed from sin, if we are set apart, then one of our responsibilities is to bear God's image to the fullest. This month in our first series in this overall uh, preaching theme, Set Apart, we're going to focus just on reclaiming biblical words. Christians are called to demonstrate God's values in their, uh, in their broader communities. Over time, however, the world can pervert the very biblical uh, 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 values and words on which Christians stand. How do we navigate? How do we move forward when the Bible says one thing, but the world says something completely different? What do we do when the world's way, what the world is offering us, actually doesn't sound that bad? Christians today need to have a solid foundation of what God desires to find among his people. So we're going to be reclaiming. Biblical words. I invite you to turn to Second Timothy chapter two, where hopefully you will reclaim, you will renew, you will refresh your your spiritual identity as God's set apart. We are the people of God. Can our world 
see the difference. Really quickly, before I get into Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, I want to stress the importance of this kind of spiritual exercise that, um, that uh, we'll be doing. A lot has been said about the state of our uh, country as it, uh, as it concerns the church. Even I have often questioned from time to time the political safety and security of the church. What we're seeing in the courts right now, specifically regarding freedom of religion, is that it's actually stronger than it, it probably ever has been in the history of, of our country. This is pretty cool. Case after case where Christians or Christian groups are being brought out as outliers, as, as uh, 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 problems. For the most part, Christians are winning these cases. For the most part, the courts, the, the high courts, are siding with people of faith, which is, which is really cool. So if you were worried about our, our ability, our freedom to continue to worship, I don't see that as something that's in jeopardy, at least not right now. However, there is something else that we're seeing at the exact same time, that while the freedom of religion is strong, the freedom of speech is weak. At key moments like this, the church needs to be intentional about words. Especially when it comes to social media and journalism. In our country right now, states... Uh, uh, across the country are proposing different laws to set d- different levels of word accountability and m- 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 moderation. How all of that is going to affect our, our church and the church as a whole, I have no idea. But I do know that at key moments like this, the church Christians need to be intentional about the words that we are using and we are allowing to be used about us. Because there might come a time where the words that have defined our faith, the words that are found in our scripture, could lose their spiritual weight. And as God's people, we need to know who we are based on what the Bible says, not based on what the world says about the Bible. What the world says about godly words, like truth and justice, which we'll look at right now. There are uh, any, any places in the Bible that we could go to talk about justice, and this morning we'll try to look at a couple of, uh, 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 a couple of them, but for the purposes of our study this year, I think it's really important how we begin in Second, uh, second Timothy chapter 2, where, uh, where we will be on and off. Our scripture reading that was read this morning, which we'll keep, uh, keep coming back to, said, Do not quarrel about words. Do not quarrel about words, which does no good. Well, that maybe sounds like Christians shouldn't be so intentional about their words. What Paul is saying here, these, these words that he is uh, uh, mentioning, he actually talks about in his letter uh, 
uh, in earth. Timothy chapter 6. These, these words that Christians are using are a source of envy and dissension and slander. These words that he is he's mentioning here is Christians are using their own ideas and their own uh, 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 their own opinions and they're calling them truth. And they're using their Christian opinions even though they are good intention and they're holding other Christians accountable for those. What we're going to be doing here is we're not going to be arguing about words, about our our own opinions. I don't want you to hear my opinion. Maybe I'd like to hear yours. But what I hope we do is we just hear what God says about these words. It is important that we are intentional about our words. As we read earlier, do your best to avoid uh, your reverent babble and rightly handle the word of truth because we are God's set apart. Here's what scripture says regarding justice, our first biblical word. In 2 Timothy, starting in verse 20. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now I promise you we are going to talk about Justice, if you were looking for that word in your version and you didn't see it, that's okay. It's not in mine either, but I promise we're going to talk about justice. First, I think we need to talk about pots and pans. In Paul's letters to Timothy, he likes to describe the church as a household using household imagery and symbols. We see these two groups in the house. We see pots of uh, gold and silver, but there's also pots of wood and clay. The gold and the silver used for honorable purposes might have been used for things like eating and drinking or serving, probably very ornamental. They were created for a specific purpose. The second group, the wood and the clay, they were used for dishonorable purposes. This might have been for cleaning uh, Maybe cleaning human blood or human waste or, or for something like washing hands or for washing feet. Maybe even for the care of animals. But Paul says here in 2 Timothy that both of these types of pots, the gold and the silver and the wood and the clay, can be holy. You see that? Both of these types of pots can be set apart. Both of these types of pots can be useful to the master of the house. If they are what? If they are cleansed from what is dishonorable. In this house image, you and I are the pots. We are useful to the master not because of what we are. We're useful to the master because of what he has done to the pots. We're useful to the master because he has 
cleansed us. We are not useful to the master because of what we bring to the table. I'm not useful to the master if I think that I am a better Essel than someone else. I am not useful to the master because I am more ornamental than someone else, because I have ever been used for something as lowly as, I don't know, washing feet. We are only useful to the master because the master has cleansed us, cleansed us from our sin. Through Jesus' blood, we are, we are cleansed literally of our, our human waste. And the reason that we need to be cleansed is because God cares about justice and because God cares about holiness. Again, we're going to talk about justice, but I think the second thing that we need to talk about after pots and pans is holiness. Holiness and justice go hand in hand when you look at different places in Scripture where, where God is described as holy or God's holiness is handled. There are strict ramifications and parameters that are set, uh, uh, set, set for everything else, uh, uh, everything else around, and this is where justice comes in. In order to tolerate God's holiness, in order to relate to God's holiness, there are strict and clear outlines as to how to approach our God. You, you, you can see this all, uh, all throughout the Mosaic Law, but you also see it in the kings and the prophets as God's people are trying to relate to who God is. God is holiness and justice. God can be holy without justice, or we can't be with our God if we don't have, if we don't have justice. We can't be holy because God is holy. And man has certainly tried to create, to fabricate their own justice, even mankind, even though we have the best intentions, our attempt at holiness, our attempt at justice will often fall short because we are not the judge. This is what Isaiah has to say about holiness and justice in Isaiah chapter 1. Wash yourself and make yourself clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. First, we see very plainly that there is an immediate relationship between us being washed clean and us being with our God. If we are going to be with him, though, what does he invite us, what does he invite us to do? He invites us to care about justice. He invites us to 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 do just things for people who are experiencing oppression, oppression from sin, oppression from the weight of this world, oppression from unjust systems and unjust situations, to be a voice for people who have lost their voice. This is what we're invited invited to do if we are God's people, to care about justice if we are clean, if we have been made holy. 
we also see here how the cleansing happens, the cleansing of our sins like scarlet turned into snow. This is where the New Testament and Paul's writings find their, their great examples of what it looks like to have our sins washed away, us being justified by God. And when God has cleansed us, and when God has washed away our sin, he says, Come. And he invites us in. Another thing that we see here is the ramifications, is the results of us being made clean. If we are willing, it says we will eat the good of the land. If we disobey, we will die by the sword. Now that sounds pretty harsh, but it's not an ultimatum. It's a reality. God is not saying, if you are unwilling to follow me, I will lash out and I will kill you. No, what God's saying, if you do not allow me to clean you, you cannot come close to me. You cannot come and see me. You cannot come experience my great blessing, the great blessing of my presence. And you will experience my holiness, but in a much different way. We see the relationship between holiness and washing, like we had in Second Timothy 2. We also see a little bit of the relationship between, between cleansing, holiness, and justice. And if we are clean, if we have been made clean, then we are, our, usefulness, our usefulness to God is to seek justice, is to seek justice. From their earliest days, justice is a chief concern for God's people, and it remains so today. And when the Israelites did not care about justice, when the Israelites did not care about doing the right thing, that's when they found themselves in the trouble. On through the New Testament, justice continues to be a central focus of Jesus's mission, of Jesus's uh, preaching about the kingdom and justice continues to be a focal point in the church as a whole. Interestingly enough, though, God's people are not the only ones who have historically sought out justice. The world seeks justice too. When the world, when culture, when governments look around and they make a judgment about how something is or they make a judgment about how something should be or how it could be, what they're actually doing is they're looking for justice. And when humans are looking for it, when humans are looking for justice and they can't find it, well, we'll often create it for ourselves. Here are a couple of the ways that the world looks for justice. One of the obvious ways is the legal system, right? We look at these different areas in our life and we set the parameters. Here's how you can operate in these areas in a just way. Here's how you can, you can drive your car in a way that is fair to the people around you. And when someone goes outside of those lines, right, in the legal system, there is a punishment for that crime. For the most part, this is a good thing. We, we want this level of justice, but laws can be changed, right? And so what if laws are put in place that actually bring about more oppression 
and actually bring about more destruction. And that is not godly justice. That's legal justice. It's made by man. Another type of justice that mankind has is oral justice. It's very similar to legal justice. As a people, we are always evaluating what is right and what is wrong. Sometimes it's told to us by the law. If, if you break this law, you will go to jail. But sometimes, you know, you just, if you see it, you know it's wrong, right? If you see something that isn't right, you just have a feeling that it shouldn't be that way. Well, that's moral justice. The, in, the internal recognition that someone is not being treated right or that someone is being, uh, is being overlooked. And when someone is being treated wrong, something must be done to make that right. This, too, does not measure up to godly justice because if you are the one who has to, who, who, who has to gauge if something is right and something is wrong, what happens if your feelings change about that issue? And what happens if the people around you don't share the same level of conviction, same level of conviction that you do? We are influenced and desensitized by the world around us far more, I think, and we're willing to admit internal, uh, internal uh, right and wrong. That's oral justice. A third type of justice that seems to have become a recent hot-button issue is social justice. Although actually social justice, it's not new. It's actually long been a part of human, uh, human culture. There are just some new ways that we see it happening. Social justice as a whole is when you look at a group of people, a subgroup, maybe by education or their gender or their race, and you consider, are these people being treated fairly or are these people being treated unjustly because of something about them? And the popular response in the social justice movement has been to take these wrongs and to flip it upside down to m make those things right. Social justice can actually be a good thing. However, when humans are making those judgments, making those judgments, when we take one group out of oppression, what we might actually actually be doing is we're oppressing another group instead. Even, even though we have good intentions, human justice is not Godly justice. On, a, on an existential level, humans have always considered what is just, what is right, what is fair. You've likely heard of karma, right? What goes around, comes around, you'll get what's coming. But that's not real justice. It's a kind of justice. It's not godly justice. Uh, we actually uh, see that idea in the Bible. In Acts, uh, Acts chapter 28, when Paul is on the island of M M M Malta, a 
an ache slathers up and, and it bites him. The ache was believed by, by the island, islanders to be poisonous. And the only real reason that Paul was on the island in the first place is because his ship was wrecked when he was uh, at sea. He was actually a prisoner on that ship as well. And when the islanders see Paul, who survived the sea, which was trying to kill him, and then he sees the ache, and the ache also tries to kill him. This is what the islanders say to Paul. No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to survive. You see, justice was a god that they worshipped, similar to how our, our world thinks about karma. And justice that they worshipped would work in the world that even, and it would even the scales if someone, someone was good, or in this case, if someone was bad. Because Paul was shipwrecked, because he was bitten by the snake, certainly he must be someone who is worthy of that kind of treatment. That's not really justice, is it? What I hope we're seeing seeing this morning is that justice is a very serious issue for the church, and we need to understand how to differentiate between worldly justice and godly justice, because misunderstanding justice leads to unholiness. Unholiness. The fact that our world is searching for justice, the fact that our world is trying to manufacture justice in all of its different ways, it's actually a good thing. Because every time the world, every time you and I try to do the right thing, every time you and I try to bring about justice in our world, even if we get it wrong, and even if we end up oppressing someone else, we are doing what we are created what we are created to do, to be like God, who cares about justice. But like we talked about earlier, holiness and justice go hand in hand. And if we miss on justice, we will miss on holiness, and we will miss on the presence of God. If we don't know what we're looking for, if we aren't careful with the justice that we're willing to settle for, we might find justice, but it will not be our God's justice. And if we don't know who we're looking for, we might find a God, but it will not be the God of the Bible. We've been a couple of different places this morning in Scripture, but what does justice have to do with the pots that we talked about in Second uh, Timothy 2? Here's my take on justice this morning. In the house, there were four types of pots, some gold and some silver, some wood and some clay, and they all had a different purpose. Some were good for food and drink, and some were good for cleaning. And it might seem unjust 
but just by the quality of the pot, what it was made of, what it looked like, it might seem unjust that some pots were better than others. It might seem unjust that one pot sits on the shelf for a long time while another pot is used every day. But let me tell you something else about those pots. Every single one of those pots, regardless of what it looked like and what it was made of and what it was used for, every single one of those pots was allowed, allowed inside of the master's house. And he put it there intentionally. Who we are at the lowly pots to look at one another and say, I can't believe that he gets to do this. I can't believe that she has that. I can't believe it's not air what's happening here on this earth. When in reality, we should just be glad that we're in, in the master's house, right where he wants us. And when the master takes us and he cleans us, he cleanses us from the things that have made us Healthy. Praise God that we are useful to our master. Justice is when the pots in the house are able to be used how they were intended to be used. Justice is when God's people care about the other people in the house who are hurting. Justice is... is when we take the cleansing from God that we have received and we wash ourselves, we make ourselves clean, we remove the evil deeds out of our lives and we seek justice and we correct oppression, we bring justice to the fatherless and we plead the widow's cause. Our usefulness in this house, in this earth, is to care about justice as a church. That does not mean like the world would suggest by making sure that people get what they deserve. It means making sure that people have an opportunity to see, see their master and to know their master. We read earlier in Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah also talks about what happens if you miss on justice. He says, uh, Here's what I, I says about the about the godless nation. Therefore, the Lord of hosts declares, "I will turn my hand against you. You shall be redeemed by justice. Those who forsake the Lord will be ashamed of the oaks that they desired. They will blush for the gardens that they have chosen." The oak and the gardens are symbols of worldly security leaning on earthly powers instead of turning to God. When we trust in what the world has to offer and we settle for the kinds of things that the world is trying to give us, even, even like justice, when we receive justice from God one day, we will be so ashamed of this world. The mission of the church is to seek justice. The church needs to demonstrate what true justice is in, in the way that we live, in the, in the way that we work as a church, and the way that we care for other people. 
we cannot seek justice by adapting, by adapting to what the world is doing. We have to know what God has given us and then turn around and give it to others. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you have ever had your sins washed clean, you need to hear that when justice comes, those sins will be accounted for. You don't have to pay the price for those sins because Jesus, the Son of God, already has. If you need to be baptized, we would love to help you make that happen. If you are a Christian, uh, you need prayers. You're entering into a new year and you've already already saved up a few times, that's okay. If we are cleansed by the Master, we can be useful in his work. If you have uh, any requests, we hope you make those known. If you have any need, whether it's here in person or if you're joining us on Facebook Live, we hope that you make it known. One of our identities as God's people, and we're going to see some uh, more of these in the coming weeks. One of our identities is to be people who care about justice. When we see the world trying to do their best in this area, we need to be able to see the difference. We also need to know how to extend a hand in love. And just remember that we're all glad, we're just glad to be here and in the master's house at all and one day again at home in the master's house forever if you have any need this morning won't you make it own right now as we stand and sing